Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Hello, ladies. Welcome to this episode. Just a quick note to let you know that this episode was originally recorded as a LinkedIn Live where I had some nice slides to go with the conversation. So if you'd like to check those out, you can see the recording on my LinkedIn page or on my YouTube page. And we'll have links to those in the show notes. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another last Wednesday of the month for a LinkedIn Live where we talk about different things for hourly to exit journey for experts who are interested in turning their expertise into intellectual property, decoupling their income from their time, and creating saleable and scalable assets in their business. So this month, we're going to talk about trade secrets. And I call it the hidden intellectual property because it's one that most people aren't familiar with. I mean, we think of trade secrets as being confidential information, but we don't think about them as being intellectual property. So I think one of the reasons is unlike the other types of intellectual property, trade secrets are not registered. The value in a trade secret is that it stays secret. You think about our copyrights, we register them in the copyright office, same with trademarks, patents. And so we get our protection through intellectual property laws by registering them. Unlike trade secrets, we get that protection by keeping them secret. So just to talk about a couple of famous trade secrets here, of course, we are all familiar with KFC and their secret recipe for their Kentucky Fried Chicken. Coca-Cola, another famous trade secret for the secret ingredient in their Coca-Cola formula. Google has an algorithm that is a trade secret. So each of these companies have decided to use trade secrets to protect their intellectual property instead of using patents because patents are registered and all patent registrations are public information like copyrights and trade secrets and trademarks. Patents also are registered and are publicly available to anyone who knows how to use and search those registries. So that way, no one can come and find that secret ingredient that happens to be in Coca-Cola and reproduce it, so long as they keep it secret, of course. What is a trade secret? So a trade secret is information, and I'm going to say confidential information, It has an independent material economic value, and the value is because it is a secret that it's not 
easily ascertainable without some sort of theft, that you can't easily reproduce it. And that the second major element is that it is subject to reasonable efforts to maintain its secrecy. So we're going to take all of these elements in turn as we go through. But first, a couple of possible trade secrets that we may have in our businesses as professional services providers, as experts. Databases, you have a collection of information that you've gathered over the course of your term as building your expertise that you use to inform the work that you do for your clients. You have proprietary business models or methodologies. Maybe you have client lists that other people would die for. Internal market analyses and forecasts, R&D information, algorithms, formulas, methods. You get it. Things that we're using in our businesses that we keep confidential because it's part of how we build our businesses and provide our expertise. And so why do I have possible in italics? Because while these may be confidential information, they may not necessarily be trade secrets. There are key differences between confidential information and trade secrets. What is confidential information? Confidential information is the broad category of non-public information. So anything that you keep in your business that's not public is confidential information. Examples of that are your financial statements and your employee records. These are things that obviously you would not want to have anyone to have access to it without protections in place. So we know that we use NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, maybe call them confidentiality agreements to protect our confidential information. Hey everyone, a quick word from our sponsor, Think Beyond IP. Think Beyond IP helps your professional services firm build the essential legal and strategic foundation required to confidently scale your business by developing, protecting, and leveraging intellectual property assets. You can find us at thinkbeyondip.com. Now, back to the show. Let's say someone's looking at your business because they want to buy it. So they're looking at your financials. They're looking at all your internal records. You would make sure that you have an NDA in place before you share any of that confidential information in it. That NDA will say that they can only use it for the purposes of evaluating your business for acquisition and that they cannot disclose it to any third parties. That's how you get contractual protection when you're disclosing your confidential information to third parties. But that is different than a trade secret. So a trade secret, yes, it's confidential information, but it also has these elements. So I have underlined some of the key parts that elevate a trade secret from a confidential information. And then we will go through each of these in turn. It has that independent material economic value. It is not readily ascertainable by proper means, and it is subject to reasonable efforts. Independent material economic value. I like to look at this is, does it provide some competitive advantage for you? Let's talk about those financial statements. You absolutely want to keep your financial statements private, right? Does it provide economic value to you 
Yeah, you want to know your numbers. It's an important part of running a business and being the CEO of your business is knowing your numbers. But does it provide a competitive advantage? Is there a value in the market for your financials? And the answer to that is no. I'm going to say no matter how impressive they are, I'm pretty sure that answer is going to be no. It fails the first element of whether or not something would qualify as a trade secret. And remember, when I'm making this distinction between trade secrets and confidential information, it's because trade secret is intellectual property under intellectual property law, whereas confidential information is just a contractual protection. So your financial statements would fail that first test of whether or not something would qualify as a trade secret. The next element is it that it's not readily ascertainable. Would it be extremely difficult for it to be discovered independently? So let's think about KFC or Coca-Cola. I imagine that for the last hundred years, however long Coca-Cola has been around, people have been trying to figure out what that secret ingredient is, but they have not been able to hard as they try. So is there independent economic value in that secret? Yeah. Is it readily ascertainable? Obviously, because nobody can figure out what it is. Coca-Cola's formula ingredients have met those first two elements of economic value and not readily ascertainable. And then the third element is that you use reasonable efforts to maintain its secrecy. So as we talked about, when we have confidential information, we do not disclose it without having some version of confidentiality agreement in place. And considering the number of NDAs I review pretty much every day, almost every day, one crosses my desk for review. I know that people are using NDAs, but is an NDA enough? And the answer to that, it's enough to get that contractual protection. It is not enough to create a trade secret. And so to elevate your confidentiality, your confidential information into a trade secret protected by intellectual property law, there are some additional things you want to do. Those extra steps. You need to put physical restrictions in place. So that would mean putting things under lock and key. I think famously, the formulas, the KFC formulas and the Coca-Cola formulas are in some sort of safe. So you have physical restrictions. Also, physical restrictions may be if you have a formula that is in writing that you have stamped on it, you put a classified stamp on it, and hopefully it works or confidential information watermark. Maybe you've seen those or you've received something that has a footer that says confidential information on it. You also might even see it in emails where you'll say like, this is considered confidential as well. You will have technical restrictions. So you will require passwords or you may have it set up so that it cannot be accessed outside of a company owned environment. So there are technical restrictions. You would share it on a need-to-know basis only. Let's say you have your proprietary database of research that you've done and you use that to provide services to your client. Well, the client does not need to have access to the research that you're using to provide the services. You provide that only on a need-to-know basis. And if you do need to know it, then you make sure that if you do need to share it, then you also need to make sure that that third party that gets access to it has restrictions on who they can share it with. So a common provision in an NDA would be that you can only share it with your lawyers or with your auditors 
and that you can't otherwise share it. And then limiting printing and copying, that's another version of technical and physical restrictions. The other is you want to make sure that you retrieve that confidential information when the use is over. Let's say there is something that you do need to share. There's some part of your methodology that you need to share with your client in order to provide the service. When you are done, make sure you get all those materials back. It's more likely that it's going to be shared with someone who's providing services for you. So let's say you have hired someone to do an analysis for you and you've shared your confidential information with them in order for them to do the analysis. The analysis is done. They send you the report. Then they should return to you all of the confidential information that you shared with them. And then a final element would be that you receive verification that they have either returned all those copies or they have destroyed them. There are a lot of extra steps in order to get that elevated protection. But the reason that you need to do that is that you cannot unring the bell. If for whatever reason a trade secret becomes public, it loses trade secret protection under intellectual property laws. Even if it happens accidentally, you're at a WeWork office and you leave your business plans at the WeWork, including your prototype for your next product, you leave it in the office and the next person comes along and finds it and puts it on the internet poof, your trade secret is gone. Or if an employee has access to it and they take it with them when they leave, that would obviously be an illegal disclosure, but still the bell cannot be unrung, which is why you want to make sure that there are restrictions about how someone can access it. Why, if it is a trade secret, how could they walk out with it? So you want to make sure you have those protections in place. And if it is independently discovered. Like, so for instance, that Coca-Cola recipe, if someone independently discovers what it is, then Coca-Cola's trade secret goes away. That is not illegal to independently discover something. I just want to say that the amount of resources that you use to protect your trade secrets should be in line with the value of that trade secret. What you do to protect your trade secrets is not going to be the same thing that Coca-Cola does to protect their trade secrets. But that's where that term reasonable comes in. What's reasonable to protect a trade secret worth billions of dollars is different than what's reasonable to protect a trade secret that's worth a million dollars. You might be thinking, well, there's no registration process in place. So why do I need to do all this extra stuff? I've got my NDAs. I get my contractual protections through my NDAs. Why do I need to do all this other stuff? Well, because when it is a trade secret and therefore protected by intellectual property laws, then there are additional protections that you have, additional remedies that you have. In addition to getting injunctive relief, so injunctive relief would mean a court orders someone to stop using your IP or to force them to prevent the disclosure of something that's confidential, and that you could also get damages, meaning you could get compensated for your losses based on their appropriation of your trade secret. But the other main issue is that trade secret misappropriation is a crime. That is a pretty nice deterrent, the idea that you are going to be federally prosecuted if you steal my trade secrets. So being able to say, okay, this is a trade secret and therefore it receives the protection 
of federal law is an extra layer of incentive to not steal your trade secrets. There you go. Thank you so much for joining me today. As I mentioned, I am always happy to tackle these intellectual property issues, issues regarding turning expertise into IP-based revenue streams. If you have any questions, do feel free to reach out to me. You can find me at thinkbeyondip.com or on LinkedIn, I'm Aaron Austin. And so we also have a newsletter where we talk about all these things and a free resource library that I'm pretty proud of that has digestible, easy to understand explanations of all these concepts and more. And of course, also please join me at my podcast, which is Hourly to Exit. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe. And I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.